Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Candace Parker is along with us tonight. And moments ago, Kristen Ledlow. Parker, what a look inside. Kristen Ledlow is on our sideline with the terrific Candace Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. We're back. I've missed you. I have missed you. I, re- I, I really seen have. You in two weeks. This has been crazy. It might be the longest we've gone without seeing each it's other. It's true. Ever. It's not okay. Before the years that we didn't know each other, of course. It's true. You texted me this weekend, though. I did. And I said, hey, how's your weekend? You did. Mm-hmm. But then when I asked you how yours was, ah. you told me ah. <laughs> about Layla's basketball tournament. How was that? Yeah, Layla had a basketball tournament this weekend. She's really getting into basketball, which is really making me um, cautiously optimistic. Oh, I, that is a brilliant is way it? to put it. I love yeah. when you send me videos, though, because she looks so much like you out there. It's weird when she runs. Yes. There's certain things that she does where I'm like, yeah, I can't teach that. Like that. OK, kid. Right. That's like, genetics. All right. We got this. Yeah. Like, Let's go. Uh, but she's really having a good time. And I think at 10, that's what it's about. For me, I've been hands off for the last year. She's playing on an AAU traveling team. And they have tournaments. And I go help out at practice from time to time. But I really want this to be her thing. Um, you know, obviously, I think some people know she's my child. Yeah, right. At the games, and I try well, to make taller it, than everyone else. Yeah, she's taller. She's yeah. taller than everybody. <laughs> but slowly but surely, she's been asking me, "Hey, mom, can we go shoot or whatever?" So we'll take Friday after school and go work out with her and a couple of her teammates. And I love seeing her in between games and the interaction with her teammates and talking because it brings back so many memories of youth yeah. sports, like yeah. learning valuable lessons playing on a team sport help you in so many ways. And it's not about going pro at this point. It's about learning those life skills of working on a team, learning how to lose, learning how to win, learning how not to agree with something and just doing it because it's beneficial to the team. But boy, Kristen, I'll tell you, I am pretty competitive. I know this. There is nothing (laughs) like being a parent of a kid on the court. Like, I, I don't, do you feel it more than when you're actually playing? I really think I do. Yeah. It, I don't know what it is, but it's just like I get really competitive. And for I'm not her. the parent. Yes, for her. But I'm not the parent that's like psycho. Now, do I say, am I completely quiet during games? No. Because she looks at, at me after every play. Like, right. it's she, adorable. Yeah. And she started touching her heart like I do at the free throw oh. line. Like, it broke. It, it just, yeah. yes, it's like, aw. But we played this team. And, you know, you develop a kind of a rivalry. And we lost to this team in another tournament a couple weeks ago, like 15-16, cool. A little bit of their team was a little, you know, kind of got under my skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that they play. Because, I mean, listen, if you're better than us, just be better than us. Yeah. But it, it's the way in which they're better than us at 10 that I feel like it's, it's a problem. Like, where is that coming from? Is it coming from, like, this kid hit a free throw to close the game, and she went towards my daughter's bench and flexed on our, oh. on our bench. Like, this kid in the last tournament hit a, turn, hit right. a shot 
and ran another route to look me up and down after she hit the shot. See, no. And, and then if you say anything, you're the problem because the you've got to be the adult. You know, yeah. I got to be the adult. But then I'm looking at Layla like, how are you not mad at this? Yeah. Like, how does this not affect you? But I really do find myself, to me, the most important thing now. And when I do, am I coaching my daughter? You be a good teammate. Like there's never a time where somebody subs in and you're upset that you're getting subbed out. I made a little girl go back in and hit her hand, hit her teammate's hand, because there's certain lessons that affect you later in life. And so I, I don't know. If that kid was mine, I would have yanked Layla up. Like, there's so, no way she would have been allowed to do that. That's my question, then. How much of this is parenting? How much of this is coaching? And frankly, how much of this is the current game that they're watching? Because if I'm a little girl playing the game, and, and let's say that Steph Curry is my idol, my role model, and he, by the way, is a good one to have. Oh, man. But I see him hit a shot and take a bow or chuck his mouth guard into the stands or what don't tweet at me I don't time. remember where he, one chucked, time it, he but, chucked it you know my point being if I'm watching that why wouldn't I want to emulate it and the me from three years ago didn't understand how much my daughter watches me yeah and I slip up sometimes I don't say the nicest of words while I'm playing I know I watch you a lot. Yes. You're my favorite. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> but some, my daughter does too. And That's true. Right. Like, oh, as, as much as here. it melts my heart that at the free throw line, she touches her heart. She was going at the refs. Right. Yeah. And I had to tell her, listen, no, see, we're not going to talk to the refs. She's like, but you do. You do that. Right. And so it's like you go into this, well, it's different, but it's not. It really isn't. And, well, and that's what's interesting about even the question I'm asking, how much is parenting? How much is coaching? How much is watching the current game? Because you're essentially a mix of all of those three things. And I think YouTube and television, there's so many kids that hit their heart and point up at the sky when yeah. they hit a three now. I just mean, like we, Steph. Just right. like Steph, just like Trey did watching Steph. And there's so much emulation going on that at what point is it positive competition and what point does it go too far? Yeah. And to me, when you try to show up another player at any age, that's when I think it, it goes a little far. And I've, I've been guilty of it as well. But it's like, at this age, right. See, like as a parent, you're like right. screaming out on the court to an, another opposing 10-year-old. You say at any age, but I don't necessarily agree that at any age, that should be the standard. Because I think at a certain age, the age that Layla is right now, it should be about learning the game and enjoying the game and learning some of those lessons that you talked about, learning how to be on a team, learning how to lead, learning how to follow as well. I remember being on an AAU team, which at this point was probably 20 years ago. You know, little girls, mm -hmm. you're out there playing. And I remember getting crushed. I don't remember by how many, but they were still full court pressing. And it's like, at what point will you just let us get the ball across <laughs> half court? Because there's a big difference in my being 10 and yeah. she's 12 and she's already much bigger and much better. Mm -hmm. And at what point are you just going to let us get the ball across half court so that we can learn to play the game well? On the flip side, I remember being in college and crushing a team as well and the opposing coach having a problem and, and approaching my coach after the game and essentially saying that it was wrong that we did the same thing. In college, my coach's argument was, you are among the best at this point and we are going to produce excellently regardless of the competition we're facing. And I think at some point you cross over into that where excellence is priority. But at the age that Layla's in, 
learning has to be the priority. Learning is the priority for some, but it's a balance because there's not a switch that you can flip to make them competitive. And I learned to be competitive because I had two older brothers and I didn't want to lose at anything. Layla is an only child. So for me, I struggle because it's a gift and a curse that comes with, I let her have this time. This is her moment. This is her games. But at the same time, doesn't it bother you that you're bringing the team over that just beat you by 25 to take a picture with me? <laughs> like, Layla, at what point are you like, no, right. no, you know, you don't touch my mother after but beating me. She, she just, it's a gift and a curse. And so I struggle with that. There's a competitive fire you want kids to have and an urgency you want them to have, but you want them to have the proper respect for the game and for those that came before them. And so... You know, I had to restrain myself from that team and the players and the coaches. And I think it's fair. The parents and I also think maybe should we move on? I had to take a walk. You seem I'm not to gonna lie. I'm still I'm reliving it, Kristen. Let's. Move I know. On. Let's, Let's move, move on. on. Because you know what? It's time for. Let's go. That's, That's what, what we said. <laughs> I will handle it with dignity and class. You certainly messed up a lot more than I did. I think all of us just want to leave the league better than we came into it. And that's what we said. That's what we said. That's what we said. <laughs> LeBron James this week asked about mentoring the younger players, criticized, of course, for years now for being buddy-buddy with players on opposing teams. Here, just roll the clip. Here's what he had to say. It's my obligation. It's my job to continue to pass on the game to the guys that's coming in after me. It's just my responsibility. Uh, No one told me to do that. I just feel like it's my responsibility um, to leave the game in a better place than, than when I had it. And when you see the class of guys that's in our league right now, I mentioned I mentioned John last night, you mentioned Zion tonight, you see Trey Young, you see Luka Doncic, you see Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, you just see all these guys, these young guys. Just, you know, the, the league is in a, in a very good place. And if, uh, if I'm able to give my wisdom and game, pass it down no matter where I'm, while I'm playing or after I'm playing, uh, I feel like it's my... It's my it's my job because the game is just giving me so much since I started playing when I was eight years old. So it's it's it's, it's my responsibility. And uh, you know anybody that says that um, you know LeBron, why would he do that? Why he's playing? It's a show and sign of weakness. You know, it's buddy buddy with the guys that he's going against. I mean, tell me, kiss my ass. What a smile too. <laughs> well then, with a smile too. The thing is, though, LeBron has long been concerned with his legacy beyond basketball. It's not just about the competition for him. It it is, of course, about the competition. It's not just, though, about the wins and losses. It's about how he's impacting the game for good. I agree with LeBron in the mentoring process because he's 35 right now. He's played 17 years in the league. He's got three rings, possibly more. He's got a bunch of gold medals. He's accomplished what he wants to accomplish in terms of he's gotten to where he ex- the expectations of the league. Right. On-court accomplishments. On he's court. among the greatest of all he's time. Among, among the greatest of all time. Without debate. Where I see issue is when people are buddy-buddy when they're still climbing. And we've seen that even with Kobe, where... Kobe got to where he wanted to get 
And then he allowed people in. If you notice, the last two years of his career is when he was mentoring because he's gotten to, he accomplished everything that he so desired. But when you're mentoring before you've accomplished or succeeded, I think that's when it's like, hold on. And you feel LeBron has reached that point. I think LeBron has reached the point where he can mentor as much as he wants to. Or not, or, or not, whatever or, it is that he chooses to do. Yes. It's interesting you brought up Kobe because I was going to bring him up as well. The legacy that he's left behind very seldom in the last month now have we talked about his championship rings or the banners hanging at Staples Center. We've talked about his long-lasting impact on the game, both the men's and the women's games. So when you think about the legacy that you're leaving, you think that. You don't necessarily think of the accomplishments or the wins, the losses, the number of rings. None of that can be taken with you. But what you leave to those around you, that's what lasts. But it's validation. That stuff is validation. Because honestly, anybody can give you the recipe for success. I mean, there's a lot of people when I walk into restaurants, they want to tell me how to Okay, so last night yeah. y'all didn't right. run Thank the pick you. and roll Thank correctly. You, sir. Like, Order right. your fries. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. All I'm trying to do is get my shake. Like, keep right. it moving. Yeah. But there's no validation there. He hasn't done that. And so I think the validation comes. It's not, that's not your legacy. But to validate the things that you're saying, you have to do them. I mean, you and I lived in an era where it was like, do as I say, not as I do. That's our parents. I don't know if yeah. your parents were like that, but it was more that a like, lot. Right. Yeah, yeah, like do as I say, not as I do. Well, okay. But now we're living in an era where you got to do what you say you're going to do. And otherwise people don't listen. Like, you know, I don't know, just from reacting to experiences, Layla listens when I've done the things that yeah. I'm telling her to do. That though... I think is where the criticism here isn't valid because this is after a game where he's played Zion Williamson, where he's played the New Orleans Pelicans, but he did have a triple-double, 34 points, 13 assists, 12 rebounds, two steals as well, and the win. So this isn't a guy who's taking it easy on the court and decided, eh, you know what, I'm going to sail off into the sunset and just choose to 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 lead the young guys now. No, he's still beating the young guys. So what's the problem that he shares a little wisdom with Zion after the game? Well, LeBron has always done things. People always criticize. There's no superstar that passes like him. Look at Kobe. Look at Michael Jordan. They didn't pass and he doesn't have that killer instinct. Well, he's done just fine. And saying all that, his accomplishments speak for themselves and what he chooses to do with that. I mean, we've seen different players mentor in different ways. Some are vocal about it. Some, I didn't know Michael Jordan mentored Kobe in the way that he did. And I don't think many people did know that. I didn't either. And everybody doesn't see Michael Jordan as the most open individual at helping younger players. But at the same time, it doesn't mean he doesn't. And so I think at this day and age, there's not a right or wrong way to go about it. There are a number of ways you can teach the younger generation how to play the game. It's a great segue, Kristen. You're laughing because you know exactly where I'm going. segue. (laughs) Oh, man, you're amazing. Thank you. You know what? Roll the clip. It's about Trey Young and Trevor Ariza. Foul coming, and now Ariza and Trey Young starting to have words. Yeah, he tried to go through his legs, and Ariza didn't care for that at all. No, you know, they take it a little personal. Right between the legs, and he stepped right in the path of Trey to give him a nice little shot. Trey Young attempted his 
signature nutmeg on Trevor Ariza as the Blazers were in town this past weekend. Of course, remember, Trey told us just a couple of months ago that this was his signature move, that he didn't see it as a sign of disrespect, that he, because he's a little bit smaller than the guys that are typically defending him, he sees it as a way to to get free, to, to forward the ball's motion. You're looking at me with the side eye right now because I'm assuming you do see it as a little bit of disrespect. Trevor certainly did. I think you got to make sure you nutmeg the right person. <laughs> make sure you're doing it. And up until this and point, Trevor he Ariza. had nutmeg the right people. Ain't it. Yeah. Because he did it to Denver. I remember <laughs> Phoenix. Did it to a couple players. I think Denver twice. But Trevor Ariza is of the mentality that, yeah, you can nutmeg me, but you're not going to get the nutmeg. Like, you're not going right. to go past me to get it, which I'm in agreement of, like, I think he can continue to do it. He's at every right, but he's going to reach some defenders that are not cool with it. Right. That. That's the thing. He can decide this is going to be his signature move, and there are also defenders and enforcers that can decide they're going to handle it the way Trevor did. And I've taken a, a poll of some of the players around Turner. Did you? Now, mind okay. you, there are players that have been in the past and in an era that that was not acceptable. So. No. That might not be accurate data in saying that, but the majority said, hell no, nah. like that's not, <laughs> that's not happening. And listen, I think there's certain plays that you do. One of the plays was brought up with James Harden when he crossed somebody and then he backed up and took a few seconds to make the shot. Winked, I believe as well. I just winked. Licked his lips. <laughs> and that's fine, but... I think in doing a move or doing something to show somebody up, you have to expect that there might be repercussions that come with that. Basketball's unwritten rules. Exactly. Like that's not, it's not anywhere in the rule book that you can't toss the ball through my legs and run around my right side and get the ball and then go in for a layup. However, there are a number of players, especially guys around Trevor's age that are going to see it as disrespect. I just look at baseball. I watch baseball, but not like that. And I remember there was a bat flip, and I was like, wait, what? Why is there? Okay, so now there's a fight. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. Why are they? Okay, so he just hit him with the ball the next time. Like, there's unwritten rules in every sport. And nutmegs, throwing it off somebody's head. Like, where does it stop? But... There's different defenders that are defending these plays. So just in going forward, you have to understand that some are not going to be cool with your signature move. Well, I remember our dear friend and colleague, Steve Smith, describing when he knew that he was finished with the game. Well, no. When he knew the game was finished with him, (laughs) and it was when Jamal Crawford pulled a similar move. Jamal nutmegged him. And he said he looked over at the bench and shook his head. He said he knew that night. All right, I'm done. I'm done. And Smitty probably laid him out. No one's Smitty. <laughs> right. You know what the time players well, Smitty Because guys in that era and guys still kind of left from that era, like Trevor, are going to see it that way. Like, at what point did I become the defender that you were going to throw, you're going to throw the ball through my legs? It's true. I, I would just think that when, with every action, there is a reaction. <laughs> Jay-Z said it best. Yeah. And with that being said... The defender changes every time you nutmeg, so that's going to be your signature tra- signature ice tray move. Listen, I'm a I, I'm a ice tray fan. As like am we I. work out in the off season. Like we don't, but you know, I'm he, not he's, doing that. He's yeah. he's legit, <laughs> and I'm really proud of him this season. Yeah, but 
I'm going to just say, better be careful for their reasons out my, there. My favorite part was after the game, the, the huge, the, the, the stark contrast between their responses. Trey saying, well, you saw, you know, that he, he gave me a handshake and there's mutual respect there. And Trevor said, oh, no, I whispered in his ear, don't attempt that again. That's what he said? Mm-hmm. The exact words? No, that, that's not the exact you words. You edited it? Yes. Okay. I self-edited okay. so that, that our good. editors didn't have didn't to. Didn't have to edit. Okay. No. We didn't have to hear the beep. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, two different takes from that move. Because <laughs> listen, I can handshake somebody after something like that, but it's still like, hey, don't do that again. That type of action. Fair. Yep. Coming up, we've got somebody on the line who has impacted the men's game, the women's game in a way that I don't think can be measured. She's also the sister, by the way, to one of our favorite teammates, Cheryl Miller, after the break. And Miller is back down on the other end. She covers all the floor. She once scored 105 points in a high school game. USC women of Troy are the 1984 NCAA champions. We've got, in my opinion, the three greatest players ever assembled in one room tonight in Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and Cheryl Miller. We know women's basketball as BC and AC before Cheryl, after Cheryl. (laughs) The one who redefined what it meant to be a player in the women's game. Cheryl, thank you so much for taking the time. Podcast royalty? Are you kidding me? This is a big <laughs> deal for me. Well, I you, made it in my lifetime. No, you, oh my gosh! You, you beat your brother. Made it, yeah. Candace? Yeah, yeah, you beat you beat Reggie. You beat your brother yeah. joining us. Yes, you beat Reggie oh, joining man. us. You, she said, "I believe this." <laughs> like I beat him at everything else. So yeah, fair. <laughs> Did you, Cheryl, have any idea when you were playing, looking back, what mm-hmm. you would have meant to the game? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I was. Uh, I was so clueless. I, I think my primary goal at the time was watching Ann Myers in the 76 Olympics, and that was my goal. I just wanted to get to the to Olympics and win a gold medal. And then lo and behold, I didn't know you could get an athletic scholarship, so I went to SC and then, you know, back-to-back championships, but not in my wildest dreams that I think that's something that I, I love so much to do for free um, would pay so much dividends. We've heard the stories that Reggie has told about how you just dominated every time you stepped on the court, male, female, it didn't matter. And so what can you say about those childhood battles growing up? And what can you say about the way in which you looked at women's sports? Because, I mean, as a young kid, you had to kind of think, if you're, you're dominating guys at a young age, you got to think that, you know, you can do that for years to come. Well, you know, I, like I said, I grew up, you know, being an Ann Myers, you know, big fan. Love UCLA. Who would have thunk it? So I went to the opposite school. But I had two older brothers and a bunch of their friends. And at the time, the only way to play basketball is if the ball went over the hedges, that was my job to get off the porch, jump over the hedges. They'd let me dribble in and lay it up. But once they left, me and Reggie would play pickup games. The only thing that I, I do remember is how easy it was to shoot. And it just naturally just, it, it just was, I just was able to do it. And there was such a passion. I hated to lose, but it wasn't a poor sport. But I thought that the only way I was ever going to get better is to beat the guys. And that's what I did. Do you have an aha moment in your childhood where you were like, oh, uh, yeah. oh I'm bad. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm good. 
my next door neighbor, uh, Mrs. Leach, her um, son-in-law was watching me play, and he says, there's no way a girl can beat me. And Mrs. Leach is like, go, my nickname for, you know, for me was Pearl. Go get him, Mama Pearl. And I said, well, come on. And it was like, I mean, I killed him. And we just played to 11, and I think he got a point or two up. And I was blocking <laughs> a shot over the hedges and whatnot, and everything. now all the neighbors are watching the game. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm not bad. Need to get a left. Need to work on my left. But, yeah, he still can't stop my right, so I don't need to use my left. But that, that was my aha moment. It's funny, though, because there are very few people, I feel, that could call in and talk to us and just very confidently talk about destroying Reggie Miller over and over and over. Uh, and we enjoy it. And it be true. And over. We enjoy hearing about it over and over. I might have hurt his feelings a little bit, but, like, you know, Reggie... Reggie was a, just a gym rat and was always in the backcourt, in the backyard, playing and shooting and shooting and shooting. And my mom would yell out the window, boy, get out of my rose garden, you know, that sort of thing, <laughs> because he would just literally get off our cement little court and be just firing it away. And another aha moment was I came home my freshman year for Christmas. And Reggie was upstairs sleeping. So I said, come on, boy, get up. Let's go play some hoops. And he stood up, and he was 6'6". Six, six. I thought, oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you grew a little bit. Yeah. All right, Jay, he's, he's got a little height on me, but that doesn't mean anything. And I went, and I drove between my legs, went to lay it up, and he pinned it. And oh. I was like, let's play horse. <laughs> yeah, I'm not playing anymore. Yep. We didn't play one-on-one anymore. I, I can't lie. I had a fragile ego after that. I had that. to stop. Yep. Reggie, though, did tell me a story a couple of years ago, and I sent him a text today to make sure that I had the details right. Okay. He said he had gotten home from a high school game. He said it was one of his biggest high school games. He said he had mm-hmm. scored 37 or 38, and he was yeah. like, you know, which was a big deal for a, a high school deal. basketball player. And he was like, then Cheryl got home, and I asked her about her game. And she said she had scored 105. <laughs> but I didn't play the last two minutes. And didn't play the last. What? what? I, I mean, can you please describe that day, that night? How in the world did that happen? Oh, you, Candace, you know this. There, there's the days that you don't feel like particularly well, but you hit your first couple of shots. It's over. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and you're looking at the rim. I'm like, I never hit these shots, especially the corner shots. I was horrible in the corners. And I was nailing them, and I decided to press. So I was a one-woman press, and I would steal the ball, lay up, steal the ball, and one. Shot, shot, shot. But I did pass the ball. And then they passed it back to me. It was all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tried to share. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. Wow. But I, I must say, Cheryl, like my dad has always made sure that I was a student of the game. Yeah. And I remember when I first decided that basketball was something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And he pulled out tapes of this woman named Cheryl Miller. And just the way you moved, it you moved in a way people didn't move back then. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean back then like you're old. I just mean back before... No, girls were really given their respect. That. That's what I mean. Like, girls were given their respect with women's basketball. Girls weren't on television playing women's basketball before yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being in awe at the size that you played. You played like a guard at 6'2". And, you know, so were you always able to move that way 
did that come naturally to you? Did you hit a growth spurt at a certain time, and that's no, why you played it was, with, it like a guard? Baby girl, but you know, I would have loved to have the story. I was like five two, and you know, the next morning I was six two. It was never <laughs> anything like that. Um, just grew up naturally and just honed my skills and and playing a best uh, against the best competition I could. Um, but the one thing that I love about what you just said, Kristen and, and Candace, I've got to give you props. There's not a lot of female that truly not only know the history of the women's game and, and the players who contributed, um, the men do a great job of it. The men yeah. do a better job than us. I'm, I'm, in, I'm hoping that women really wrap their arms about the past, the present, and their future and where they want to take the women's game. And I, I, I appreciate what you did say, Kristen, because that's, that's my goal in life is to enlighten these young, you know, these young ladies and understand we were here a long time ago, and there's a reason why you're on this path. Well, part of that is seeing these stories told on a big scale. And the Women of Troy documentary comes out on Tuesday, March 10th, HBO. Will you tell us a little bit about the process of sitting down for that documentary? Uh, at first, I didn't know how they were going to you know, piece it together. Um, but they, they got the entire team, except for two players who didn't show up for um, the banquet that we had and, and watching the documentary. Um, but it was brilliant. It's just about the evolution of this team with multi, multi-personalities, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how we could fight in a locker room and walk on the court and you think we were twins because we all got along. And <laughs> the main goal was to win and win big. And i got to give a lot of credit to Linda Sharp, our head coach, um, she never tried to stifle our personalities. She would have to put, you know, a lot of us at, at time, uh, at times, um, to kind of reel us in. But we knew what the greater picture was, and that was when, you know, winning championships. You know, what really impressed me, there was a point in the documentary where you talked about you committed to UCLA, and the McGee twins basically told you, listen, uh, so you can play against us for two years, or you can come join <laughs> no, us. Well, they didn't tell me. They <laughs> I was trying to keep it PG. They threatened no, you. No, no, please don't get that one twist. Yeah, right, yeah. They threatened me. They threatened you. So they, they threatened you. Play two years with us or against or us. Years mm. And you us. knew what that meant. But oh, man. I you right. ended up, yep. Hey, Dad, I need a pen in here. <laughs> <laughs> but you ended up committing to you, you, USC. USC. And when you went there, the question was were there enough basketballs for the entire team? And in the interview, you say, well, I mean, Coach went out and bought some more balls, so there's definitely enough balls for us. We're going to share the basketball. And I kind of tie it to today's game where obviously in the in the NBA they play an individual game, but the Golden State Warriors, they shared the ball and oh, they absolutely. got rings. And USC, y'all shared the ball mm-hmm. and y'all got rings. It worked. It, it does work. I mean, look, everybody's loading up and, you know, having their – you know, the, the best two or the best three, and I, I understand that. Uh, but that's why I enjoyed the championships with the Golden State Warriors. It's just these guys were so on the same page, connected from not only a player standpoint and the locker room, but the coaches. You know, they were all on one team, and they understand what made them special, and it worked to their advantage. Knowing so many young girls, though, grew up either watching your tape or, or idolizing you in some capacity, who are the women in the game now that you see as perhaps kindred spirits, players like you would be today? Now, that's tough to say. Um, I, I look at, like, I watch Candace. I mean, Candace, and I mean this in a great way, 
was a freak of nature. You talking about like I was a Stone Age. And then, <laughs> okay, you were not you Stone had the Age. Stone woman. You had the bridge, the rock. Like she did everything. I mean, you could, you know, Candace, she could play one to five easy. Now, the one I'll give her a little grace on every now and then. <laughs> She's working on it. I've been watching. Yeah, yeah I'm working on it. But the rest of it, um, if I had to say there was someone with a kindred spirit that I love to watch was Diana Taurasi. Mm. She had that flair. She had that fire. She had that confidence, cockiness. She was a whole package. Well, you obviously were a part of L.A. basketball when it was huge. There were Magic Lakers, Showtime. Oh, it's yeah. back. You know, all that. It's, yeah. yeah, Magic Showtime. Showtime's back in L.A. And you realize how big of, you know, a, a winner city L.A. is. L.A. will follow you if you are winning. Oh, no question. And they will love you forever if you win. But Cheryl, honestly, I complain about not having a WNBA to aspire to play in before I was 11. Right. But you didn't have a WNBA to yeah. play in after you were done with college. You were this amazing athlete, mm-hmm. this game changer and you had to, some you, you know, your teammates went overseas to play, and you didn't yeah. have anything after basically senior year in, in, in college. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing, I was preparing um, for USA basketball for a trip, and I was on my last game of a pickup game with football players, and I went to jump over somebody and tore my ACL. And the doctor obviously did what he, he needed to do, and... I'll never forget him walking into my room and saying, hey, you had a great run, but you'll never be the same. But you're healthy. Hmm. And it, it changed. It changed my world. It, it, it changed what I, I started, you know, self-doubt and what am I going to do? Who am I going to be without basketball? And just by the grace of God, fell into broadcasting. I was horrible when I started. But now I'm not too bad. Stop it. Weren't we all, though? You know? Stop it. Oh, man. I just really didn't understand when they first, like, they, you know, they would count you down. I'm like, who's in my ear counting? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, isn't that, like, the hardest part, though? The hardest part is talking when somebody's talking to yes. you. Yes. That's right. the hardest thing. Thank you for acknowledging it publicly. Yes, oh, no. No, because then you look like the boo-boo. Right. I'm like, no. Yeah. So I was like, but it's all good. But when you work with good people, you do your homework, and if you could really take the piss out of yourself, it's a blast. I love broadcasting. I don't take myself seriously. I can't. I'm a knucklehead. <laughs> Cheryl, your impact, I don't think, can be quantified. Not on the game, not on the broadcast of the game, not even on the future of the game, both in the women's game and the men's game. I want to play a little clip for you that I would imagine you probably haven't sat down to listen to in several years from a Hall of Fame speech that you may find familiar. There's one lady that deserves probably the biggest recognition for everyone and why I'm here. A lot of people wish that they could be in a house with the greatest of anything. I just so happen to live across the hall from absolutely, positively, the greatest women's basketball player ever. And I'm proud to say I am not on this stage if it wasn't for you, Cheryl Dean. We as a Miller family are not held at a high level if it wasn't for you. We rode your shoulders all the way here. So thank you very much.
Yeah, you got Kristen and that's I here in up. tears. You in got us tears. in tears. Kristen, that's messed up. Now you got me. Got, oh, you got us oh. in tears too. Ah. Well, because so many in and around the game feel the same that that we've ridden on your shoulders to get here. Well, you know what? I, I really can't take not even a lot, but any of the credit because there have been so many women, so many men. Um, even, you know, when I was in high school, I had to do an interview um, on television in Philly with Dr. J. And for him, in my eyes, to take the time out and, you know, when we were shooting and just play on the court together and against each other and stuff and learn little things. And, of course, I couldn't palm the ball because, you know, the doctor had hands like, oh, my gosh, they were huge. <laughs> but I think that's why I, I grew the respect for just basketball. Yes, it's men's and women's, but at the end of the day, we try to do the same thing. Put it in the hoop, outscore somebody, and defend the heck out of them and make their life miserable. And that's what we share. We just, it's all about the chip. And I think just watching you broadcast, obviously following your career, your coaching career, everything, um, the word respect, I think, is, is tossed around just mm. with your name because mm-hmm. you see in which the way guys and girls mm-hmm. and women and men respect you, not as a female basketball player, as a basketball player. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was definitely apparent on television when you were interviewing people, the respect was there. Obviously, it was present with, with Reggie Miller and his oh, yeah. speech. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for your selflessness because a lot of people could sit, stand on here on this platform and be in a way better because there are things that weren't there and available for you that are available today. But I just want to say and on behalf of women's basketball, on behalf of NBA, WNBA, thank you so much for laying the foundation and for being just an amazing basketball player, but being selfless and being growing the game. Mm. So thank you so much, Cheryl. Yeah. We really hey, I, appreciate you. I really you. do appreciate it, and I acknowledge that. Um, but, again, I, I fall back on how I was taught and how I was raised. Um, it's not just me. It's the Cynthia Cooper, the Lisa Leslie, the Candace Parker, Diana Taurasi. All, everybody, t- you know, they pushed it forward. They paid for it, and that's why our game is so exciting. And those of you who don't know, well, now you may know, but you definitely are going to know. March 10th, make sure you don't miss the Women of Troy documentary on HBO. Cheryl, thank you so much for taking the time, especially in a very busy week for you. We so appreciate you. Hey, thank you guys so much. And keep paying it forward because there's a lot of people out there that want to be where you guys and you guys are a beacon. Just continue to shine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Kristen, it was 2006. It was my first time playing with the U.S. national team. We were doing a preseason game kind of with USA Basketball scrimmage against Australia at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And I saw Cheryl Miller on the third level. <laughs> like, wait, like in the top of the yes, arena? it was the third level, but like we were going into the arena. So it was like the third level okay. of the Mohegan Sun. So I rolled all the escalators up <laughs> and sprinted ahead. And I was shaking because I've just, I grew up, watching her and idolizing her and my dad pushing pushing me with her name and I reached forward and I was shaking I was like hi my my name is Candace Parker 
And she pushes my hand away and like, I know who you are. <laughs> and at that moment, I had made like, it. What? <laughs> Kanda, speaking of my flawless transitions, we have to go from one of the Miller siblings to Spike Lee, right? Speaking of yeah. which, Reggie is all for this. He is living for this. For those who haven't followed the story, Spike Lee was denied entrance at MSG, the entrance that he says he has always used. It is in an, 28 years. Yeah, right. Yes. Close to three decades, he's been going through the same door. He then is denied entrance. It is the employee entrance. He, of course, is not an employee, but that has never been an issue up until now. He then addressed Dolan during the game. At some point during the game, the Knicks release a presser calling the entirety of the situation laughable. And then Spike decided to go on ESPN and say this. Are you going back to a Knicks game this year? Not this year. Are really? you cons- are you concerned? No, no, I'm coming back next year, but I'm I'm done for the season. I'm done. They also took the time to add up how much money Spike had spent on those seats. You have a guess? I know the answer, so I feel bad. Adjusted for inflation. Okay. <laughs> around ten million dollars. Close to three hundred thousand dollars a season Spike spends on those seats. And I bet it was like I don't know how much money per win because the Knicks yeah. aren't good. <laughs> no, so they're he not. Went and watched a bad Knicks team for close to three decades. Close to three decades that aren't good. And now all of a sudden, you can't use the same entrance that you used in 28 years. And that's not my problem. The problem is he wasn't notified at like any point. This, yes. If right. this had changed and he was properly notified and he still tried to do it, then okay, like. I still have an issue with it because he's done it for so long and Spike Lee is the Knicks. But you don't notify somebody and you have security there. And he made uh, several fair points, which is that you just scanned my ticket. If you send me back out onto the street to go into a different entrance, if I get there, is the ticket scan not going to work? Because you know in a sporting event that you only get to enter that one time. So am I going to be stuck out on the street because you You're Spike Lee. No, they would let you in. Walk around and... Okay, that's a fair point, you would think, but not at this entrance. I just, and we talked about this earlier. There's so much that goes into winning basketball. It's so much more than just the players playing and knocking down jump shots and stopping the other team. No, the perception of a winning franchise. And it's not this. Spike went on to say that he put his hands behind his back and is like, arrest me like you did Oakley. This isn't the first time that there's been some issue with an iconic player or iconic fan. He's not just the Knicks' most iconic fan. He is likely the most iconic fan in NBA basketball, apart from maybe arguably Jack Nicholson sitting sideline at Staples Center. But it's Spike. And so at what point do you reward those who have invested in you? I just think it's communication. It's culture. Or that, right. If he's not going to get to use the entrance because given he's not an employee, are you going to tell him? But it's, it's culture. <laughs> it's, yeah. And I don't know if Nick's need this memo of like, you know, the, the saying that all press is good press. It's not. No, it's not. Nor are all press releases good press releases. Not. And so it's just, have you ever seen the word laughable inside of a press release? But here's my question. And and this is the biggest thing. What free agent is going to want to come to this? I'm not going to edit myself. Shit show. <laughs> like who wants to go play for an organization that does that to somebody that has that has 
held tickets for 28 years watching a franchise that has not won. Yeah. And, and in that being said, then you look at the, the, the track record. You look at Oak. You look at Carmelo and the way that he was treated. You look at Porzingis and the way that things transpired with that. You, there's a number of, of telltale signs that are going to have to change within the culture for you to be able to attract players that can put the ball in the hoop. And I think now... The perception has shifted, even when it comes to Madison Square Garden, because the idea, the argument, especially from Knicks fans for so many seasons, has been, why wouldn't you want to come be the face of New York Knicks basketball? Why wouldn't you want to play under the bright lights of of MSG? The, The greatest have been measured in this building. I don't think that players see it that way anymore. They see it, that they're going to show up and perform that way at MSG in a different uniform against the Knicks, but not that they want to carry that franchise into the future the franchise itself is one of the richest franchise worth one of the most in the entire world right so if you're an owner that looks at that your fans are still showing up for games whether they're watching your team or the opposing team it is still madison square garden and playing there does elicit some sort of childhood of course feelings which is why players play so well against play against exactly but at the same time if you're trying to win and i'm not a knicks hater at all in terms of that but you gotta fix culture i know in my career throughout my years playing basketball when we've won things have been right in the front office just as right as they've been on the court Mm. and I don't know if you want to use Golden State as a yeah. as a blueprint. I was going to bring them up because I can't count the number of times in the last five years. We're just covering that team. I've said, this is why they're the best in basketball. This is why they're the best in basketball. And it was very seldom something to do with how well Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant had played. It was because from top to bottom, they are a championship winning organization. Every single person in every single position is on board with the culture that created a winning atmosphere. Well, guess what? It matters how you treat people. Yeah. It does. It matters how we treat people. And now in this day and age, we might not think it does. But it does matter how you treat people. Well, let's end on a positive note because a long (laughs) running rivalry between Reggie Miller and Spike Lee could come to an end as Reggie tweeted that maybe it's time for Spike to shift his allegiance. I had to hit Reggie and be like, man, you're trying to stir the pot. He always is. He always is just like he does emoji faces. Like, yeah, when is he not? Yeah. Huge thanks again to Reggie's sister, Cheryl, for, for joining us. I mean, I guess we should call him Cheryl's brother, right? That's I think he would be okay. Probably more appropriate for coming and joining the show. Next week though, we're talking March Madness and we've Craziness. got probably the most iconic face ever when it comes oh to the gosh. NCAA tournament. We're going to count how many times we're going to hear brotherhood. Fair. Ugh. He's well known for March Madness. I think probably even more so well known for being my inside stuff co-host. Grant Hill is joining Ledlow and Parker next week.